Welcome to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. Every Nation is a Bible-believing, multi-ethnic, non-denominational church hoping to transform the world one life at a time. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, good morning, Every Nation New Jersey. God bless you. PA here, Pastor Adam Burt, and I'm so excited that you would choose to spend your Sunday morning here with us at Every Nation New Jersey. And so uh, we're going to be in John chapter 11. But be, before we jump in there, uh, I got to just uh, share just a, a little story. I think it'll frame up uh, where we're headed today in John 11. And so uh, uh, my family and I, we lived in uh, uh, Manhattan for uh, a few years. And something I, I learned about uh, Manhattan is uh, the panhandlers, those that are asking for money out on the streets. Man, in, in New York City, uh, it's next level. Like you got to be talented uh, to ask for money because there's so much competition in there. And so uh, it's amazing. If you go down in the subway, like some of the subway uh, like uh, musicians that are panhandling, they are fantastic, right? So you got to be really good. And I can remember um, uh, one time my daughter and I were driving uh, in the city we came to a stoplight and then sure enough you could tell this homeless man was coming over and he's going to go ask for money uh but but out in front of the car he stops and he puts up a sign and it says this it says what's the greatest nation in the world uh and then he flips the sign a donation <laughs> so i was like come here buddy you know give him some cash you know do that thing but but uh, but some people aren't very good at it and so i'll just share uh so there was a lady that would panhandle uh down in the subway on 51st at broadway and so uh this woman uh she would see people running for the uh the the one train and so you could hear the subway come roaring into the station and, and people are trying to make it to work and so inevitably there's just a massive humanity that are running to try and make this subway and this lady this panhandler lady she's like you're never gonna make it you're never gonna make it (laughs) and so she's just antagonizing these people you're never gonna make it never gonna make it and then sure enough whether they're fumbling for subway cards and they can't find it uh the subway pulls out and then you just hear her go ha 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 too late (laughs) And, and so she became known as the too late woman all right and uh, the too late woman how she ever made any money is beyond me right but uh, but I say that because in today's message Jesus is gonna appear to be too late we'll be in um, in, in John chapter 11 and and here's what we find is that that Jesus's friend Lazarus is deathly ill that Martha and Mary uh, uh, her uh, Lazarus's sisters they send word to Jesus to come heal Lazarus the one whom you love and so what does Jesus do he delays two days and then it would pe- appear that it's too late Lazarus dies that that Martha and Mary are, are beside themselves they're they're devastated and I think if the, we were to be honest um, they were disappointed in Jesus and uh, and listen I, 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 like I think if you were honest like can we just agree has anyone ever been disappointed with God no nobody just me Okay, never mind then. Okay, uh, <laughs> so of course, like, like there's been moments in our lives we expected God to do this, uh, and He didn't. And so here's here's my appeal to you, and, and the big idea this morning is this, man. Uh, although you may be disappointed in God, 
Never lose your hope in God, right? You can be disappointed with God, but but don't lose your hope in God, all right? Job, um, in Job chapter 13, verse 15, can we agree that, that there was a series of events in Job's life that he was very, very disappointed in God, but he never lost his hope uh, in God. Let me read to you Job 13, 15. It says this, though he slay me, I will hope in him. And so that's a good word for us, man. Like, like Job had a real difficult few uh, few days, yet it was it was his hope that saw him through uh, those difficult times. And um, I remember uh, there's a there's a pastor and author. His name is John Mark Comer. And uh, just through the uh, like a few years back, just just going through like COVID and just the political unrest and, and racial unrest. You know, it, it was it was draining his hope in God. And, and it was so subtle, it was the slow leak of hope in his life that he actually fell into uh, a depression. And so John, Mo, John Mark Comer, he says how he could still go preach, and, uh, but he could fake it. No one knew what was going on in the inside. And he was teaching a, a, a large group of college students uh, the gospel, and he was just kind of going through the motions, doing everything. And then after the meeting, um, he, he was greeting a few of the young college students, and Comer remembers he's just kind of in this funk. Uh, he had lost hope. And, and this little girl, this young college student, walked up to Mark Comer, and, and Mark reaches out his hand to shake hers, and he says, hi, my name is, is John Mark. What's yours? And the girl says this, me? She says, my name is hope. And she said, when she said hope, it, it shot through him like a lightning bolt. He says he doesn't even remember what they said let, uh, next. It was like the young lady just faded off into the background. But those words, my name is hope. And I want to tell you this, man, hope has a name and his name is Jesus, right? And so I, no, don't lose your hope in God. You know, Hebrews chapter 6 in verse 19, I'll read it, but it's going to say that hope, it's an anchor for our soul. Uh, it says, uh, Hebrews 6, 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. And so you can't let go of your hope in God. Um, there is a, um, you might know, remember the infamous uh, painter, uh, the Dutch painter, Vincent van Gogh. And uh, you know that van Gogh, as a young man, uh, was, a, uh, was in love with Jesus, was a, was a strong Christian. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, entered the ministry briefly, but through a series of events, his faith uh, began to be sh uh, shipwrecked and he was losing his hope in God. In fact, you can see it displayed in his art. See, for Van Gogh, the color yellow was very uh, meaningful to him. The, the color yellow, it was significant of hope in God, a warmth and a love felt from his heavenly father. But, but in his paintings, you can see they, they're darker and darker as his hope began to wane. Um, I'll show you, this is a, a famous painting called Starry Night. And, and in it, when you see, you can see just all the dark shades. And the only light, uh, the yellow in the picture, is in the stars or in creation. It was the only place he felt like he could find God. And even notice there's a church, a small chapel in the photo, and there's no light to be seen. But 
later in life, he would regain his hope, the anchor of his soul. And you could see it as his paintings grew more and more bright. And it crescendos with with this this, uh, painting called The Raising of Lazarus. And in it, you see there's just all these different shades and hues of yellow and oranges, these bright popping colors, the warmth of the hope of God restored to him. In fact, um, the the face of Lazarus, he used his own face uh, to be uh, the restoration of Lazarus as his faith was restored back in God. And and so in today's text, John chapter 11, uh, Jesus is going to announce this, I am the resurrection and the life. And and that that idea of Jesus being the resurrection, you know, it is the bedrock to our faith and and ultimately to our hope. Um, You know, uh, see, the resurrection, what it does is it it fuels our hope, uh, both the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of Lazarus. So the the resurrection of Christ, uh, his death, burial, and resurrection, it it fuels our future hope, doesn't it? Like like we understand because Jesus rose from the dead that you and I, one day, we're going to raise from the dead. But the raising of Lazarus, you know what it does? It gives us a present hope for today because we see what the power of God introduced into our present difficulties and circumstances to change them in a moment. So for us, hope springs eternal, both in the future uh, and in the present. Uh, I love uh, what uh, the late Tim Keller said. He said this, uh, we, we have, because of the resurrection, we have hope for the future and hope from the future. I just love that. We have hope for the future and from the future. And so like like uh, on the resurrection, on the last day, like like we have a hope for the future that God's going to he's going to give us new resurrected bodies. Man, there'll be no more sickness, no more disease. He said he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes and sad things are going to be untrue. Like we have this future hope because of the resurrection. But but we also have uh, the present Power, uh, present hope today because the power of the kingdom of God through uh, prayer and through faith, man, we can, we can take from the future kingdom, man, and usher it in uh, to our present uh, reality. It's what makes miracles possible. Do you know that miracles, um, it's not the suspension of the way things are. Rather, it's the restoration of the way things should be. It's bringing the future into our present. And I love what uh, Dr. Craig Keener, uh, he did a global survey. And here's what he came up with. He says that, you know, that there's, there's over 200 million people on planet Earth today that have experienced a miracle. That's one in every 35 people. And, and it's just a picture of bringing the future kingdom uh, here to now. See, we have a hope for the future and from the future uh, in the resurrection. And so uh, to, let's uh, let's read our text today. And, uh, and we're going to have to jump around because it's a lengthy text. But I'm going to be in John 11, verses 1 through 6. Uh, it says this, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. 
Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And so this is um, uh, like uh, this text doesn't seem to line up, does it? Like, um, uh, let me start begin this way. You know, Satan, um, the the name Satan, it it literally means uh, adversary or accuser. And here's something uh, I've experienced and seen through through just life and and years of ministry is this, that that Satan, he is an accuser. Um, He will accuse you before God. Like he's called the accuser of the brethren. And so he will accuse you before God. And and so that's where guilt comes from. And then uh, he'll also accuse you to you. And that's where shame comes from. That the, the, the devil will, he'll speak to you and he'll, he'll not say what you did is wrong. He'll say, you're wrong. And, and it's, it's shame. But do you know what else will happen? That he'll accuse God to you. And, and that's pride. Where, where you begin to put God on trial. We see this uh, in Genesis 3 with the original sin. Did God really say what's happening? He's accusing God uh, to both Adam and to Eve. And it, it shipwrecked their faith. And so, uh, and, and what will happen to you if you listen to the accuser, accuse God to you, if you're not careful and do something with that, man, it'll shipwreck your, wreck your faith and it will rob you of hope. Uh, we see this happen in, in the life of Ted Turner. If you know uh, Ted Turner, uh, he's the, the founder of, of, of CNN and, and uh, TBS and uh, multi-millionaire. But do you know as a, as a, as a young uh, man, as a young boy, that man, Ted Turner had a strong faith. In fact, he wanted to be a missionary. Uh, but but uh, here's what happened in his life. His, uh, his younger sister, Mary Jane, she, she contracted lupus. It was this horrible, debilitating disease. And he watched her suffer. And despite all his prayers to God to heal her and save her, uh, it didn't happen. And she, she died. And then uh, Ted Turner's father, Ed Turner, he was so furious at God. He says, if this is what God is like, I want no part of him. And then just a a few months later, Ed Turner uh, would, would take a 38 caliber weapon and take his own life. And so now Ted Turner, that became his mantra. Uh, If this is what God is like, I want no part of him. See what happened? Like like the enemy accused God uh, of of killing his sister uh, and his father, and and it just wasn't true. And it shipwrecked his faith, and it robbed him of all hope. And so, see, for us, see, what do you do um, uh, when, when God isn't running the universe like you want him to? Like, like God, you're just not doing it the way I think you should. You have a, you have a choice. You, you, can, you can lose hope in God, or you can against hope, in hope, believe. And we see, you know who we see doing this? Abraham and Sarah. Do you remember their story? Like, God promised Abraham a, a son. And so, so Abraham and Sarah, they waited on the Lord for this, this son of promise. And they waited for years and years, 25 years to be exact. And so their hope could have been shipwrecked in God. Now, now Abraham's 100. Sarah's 90. It's, it's, their circumstances scream, this is impossible. But what do they do? Uh, it says, against hope. In hope they believe. Let me read to you Romans uh, 4, verse 18. It says, uh, in hope... He believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. 
See, we see this uh, against natural hope that that, um, Abraham, he had a supernatural hope in the goodness of God. And that's my appeal to you today, man, to hope in God this morning. And so um, I've shared this uh, painting before, but uh, it's coming up that the painting is called Checkmate. And, and as you can see that there's this kind of demonic looking satanic man that, that uh, looking over at this poor young man who's perplexed and it just says checkmate. It's like like this guy is just stuck. And uh, but here's the great story. The backstory to this is, do you know, that there was a, a great chess master who when he saw the painting, he observed the painting on the board. And here's what he, he came up with. He says, it's not true that, that the young boy has another move. And then, in fact, he put the he duplicated the, the chess pieces and he says, I can win with this board, man. And I just want to appeal to you today, man, when, when the devil, it feels like uh, he's checkmated you. You have no other move to do. I want to promise you, you have one more move. You can hope in God against hope, believe in hope. And um, uh, unless you think that like we're just a bunch of naive kind of, oh, I hope this works out. Do you know that's not biblical hope? Like the definition uh, for, for a biblical hope is this, a confident expectation for good. A confident expectation for good. And so we hope uh, in a good God and we have a confident expectation for good. Um, I know uh, we, we read in the Psalms that, that the psalmist, as his life was unraveling and on fire, he had to, he had to preach hope to his soul. Uh, Psalm 42, verse 5, it says, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. And so, um, um, so we, we, here's, here's the kind of a, the big idea and our mantra, uh, was this. So, so we have hope for the future and from the future. In fact, we see it in our text. If you go back to our, our text in, in John chapter 11, did you notice verse two, verse two says it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. And, and here's what you need to know. Hey, John, that hasn't happened yet. That's in chapter 12. We're in chapter 11. So, so did you see that? And so it's almost like John is giving this, this clue. He's like, hey, hang on. Don't let your, your hope get shipwrecked. The next chapter is the best chapter. And so, man, like, like if you fast forward to chapter 12, like right now in chapter 11, man, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, man, their world is on fire. That, that all they, they know is sickness, death, and sorrow. Man, they, 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 all they see is loss all around them. But hang on, man, because the next chapter is the best chapter. And so if, you, if we were to fast forward to chapter 12, here's what you would see. Lazarus has been healed and raised from the dead. Uh, Martha, Martha, the one who, she just had this, this uh, spiritual vertigo. She couldn't get her bearings. Now, Martha's on the firm foundation of this reality. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Like in chapter 12, she's found her rhythm again. She's serving, uh, exercising her gifts. If we see Mary, Mary in chapter 11 is a hot mess. She's in this, this emotional turmoil storm. And yet now in, in John chapter 12, 
we see that she's seated at the, the feet of Jesus. The peace of God that passes all understanding has transformed in, in uh, her life. And we also see Lazarus. Lazarus, the guy who in chapter 11 had been in the grave for four days. Now, do we, what, how do we see him? He's seated at a banqueting table with Jesus, right? See, see, it's, it's, it's Jesus. The fact that he is the resurrection, it gives us hope for the future and from the future. And so um, this is a, it's a predominant theme throughout our Bible, like this idea of, of man, when, when you can't see what to do or where to go, man, you've got a hope in God, a confident expectation for good. If you remember uh, Joseph, man, that, that Joseph, uh, he was sold into slavery by his brothers. Uh, then he was lied about, falsely accused, and thrown into Egyptian prison. And so there in the pit of this prison, what he had no framework for what God was going to do in his life. Like he couldn't fathom what God was going to do. All he had was a hope in God. And what happened? Man, he was called up to become the prince of all of Egypt. See, against hope, Joseph believed in hope. Uh, we, we see Moses. Moses, um, he's got a Red Sea in front of him and Pharaoh's army behind him. There, there's, there's no way forward and no way out, but not if you have your hope in God. Because Moses, against hope, believed in hope. And what happened? Man, the sea split open. They went through on dry ground. And what? Uh, Pharaoh's army, they were drowned in the Red Sea, never to be heard of, uh, heard from again. See, against hope, Moses believed in hope. And I want to encourage you. I don't know who this is for, man, but the next chapter is going to be the best chapter, hope in God. And so... Um, in John chapter 11, verse 6, uh, do you remember what we read? It says that, man, Jesus gets news that Lazarus is sick, um, deathly ill. And what does Jesus do? Stays two days longer. What? Like, like it doesn't seem like none of the math lines up uh, in, in our text this morning. It says that, uh, it says Lazarus was ill. Do you know what the name Lazarus means? Lazarus means one who God helps. And then we see that, that Jesus, it says that he loved Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. And that word love, it's not a friendship love. It's actually agape. It's the God kind of love. It's this deep love that he has for them. And so uh, Lazarus is the one who God helps. He loves Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. Uh, he's sick. And then Jesus waits two days. Is anyone like me that that just doesn't add up? But, but remember what Jesus said. Man, this sickness doesn't end in death, but it's for the glory of God. And so uh, I, uh, I'll say this. You, you can't argue it. Man, the greater the adversity, the greater the glory. The greater the adversity, the greater the glory. And the sickness uh, is about the glory of God. And so Jesus has got to wait a couple of extra days here. Um, the greater the, the adversity, the greater the glory. Let me prove it to you. Like, uh, like Michael Jordan scoring 38 points uh, in the 1997 uh, NBA Finals against the Utah Jazz is pretty great. Uh, but Michael Jordan scoring 38 points in the NBA Finals uh, with a dramatic fever. In fact, he had to be carried off the floor. Now that is glorious. 
Um, how about this? Diane Nyad uh, made the 110-mile swim from Cuba to Florida. Florida. That's pretty great. However, Diane Nyad swimming from Cuba to Florida, Florida, 110 miles at the age of 64. Now that is glorious. Uh, I'll do you one more. Tiger Woods winning uh, the 2005 U.S. Open. That's pretty great. However, Tiger Woods winning the U.S. Open, the 2005 U.S. Open on one leg. Now that is something glorious. See, the greater the adversity, the greater the glory. And so we read here, man, that um, Jesus, he'd already healed the sick before. Um, he, he'd actually already raised the dead before. He raised the widow of Nain's sons. He also raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. But um, uh, how about this, man? The greater the adversity, the greater the glory. Jesus is going to raise Lazarus after four days. And here's why that's significant. Do you know that the Jewish superstition was this, that when, when, when a person died, their spirit would hover over their body uh, for three days. But after three days, decomposition would set in and then the spirit would, would forever um, uh, leave, never to return again. See, it, it gave the, the Jews space for resuscitation and things like that. Uh, but, but what had happened to Lazarus? Lazarus had been in the grave for four days. Can we just say it this way? Lazarus was dead, dead. That it was impossible for Lazarus to get raised from the dead. But here's what you need to know. There's nothing impossible with God because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Put your hope in God. And so, um, um, uh, so this is like uh, the, the, the last of Jesus's seven, uh, 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 sign miracles. And do you remember why Jesus had been doing these miracles uh, in the Gospel of John? Uh, he, they were, he was doing it so that you and I might believe that Jesus is Messiah and God in the flesh. Uh, let me read to you in John chapter 11, verses 14 and 15. John 11, uh, 14 and 15 says this. It says, Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. See, the, see Jesus says he's got to be dead dead so that when I go do this, you might believe that I am the Messiah right? I am the one I said I am. And so um, let, let's go on. Let's read uh, uh, um, verses uh, 20 to 25 in John chapter 11. And, and here's, uh, let me just set it up for you that Jesus has now gone to Bethany and, and Martha is, is out greeting him before anybody else. And, and here's what happens. And, and starting in verse 20, uh, it says this. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And so, so we get the money line. I am the resurrection and the life. 
And, and listen, because Jesus is the resurrection in the life, like our victory uh, is inevitable and it is unstoppable. And also that our hope is inexhaustible. Man, we have a hope uh, for the future and from the future because Jesus is the resurrection and the light. Let's go on in our text, verses uh, 32 to 35. It says, uh, Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. We'll talk about that. Uh, verse 34, and he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. And so uh, we, we can uh, jump back here now. And I, I want to I camp out on, on that idea. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, yet it's unbelievably rich. Um, here's, a, here's kind of like the big idea, and I, and I hope this statement just sticks in your soul. Isn't it amazing uh, that the healer of our pain is also the feeler of our pain? Jesus, he's the healer of our pain, but he's also the feeler of our pain. Like, like man, Jesus wept. And here's that he wasn't crying crocodile type tears that, um, that that Jesus actually he was moved and overcome with emotion like like our God feels like some of us have this idea that man Jesus is is Vulcan right it's just live long and prosper and everything's no emotion and it's just all about a logic uh, about logic and it's just not true man uh, our our healer is also a feeler and, and isn't there something uh, about someone that that feels what you feel doesn't it knit you together with them um, so there Jesus is called the sympathetic high priest that that word sympathetic like like you get sim it, it means same and, and pathos it, it means feeling that, that Jesus understands and he feels what we feel and, and because of that there's something unbelievably comforting when you're able to share pain with someone who understands and have been where you've been in fact I'll, I'll illustrate it this way really a painful moment um, uh, one of the New York Jet wives had had uh, uh, miscarried and, and and I know she called me and she was just just inconsolable like just tears and and just so upset uh, at, at, at the loss of her child and and so I'm trying to to console her and just throw some Bible verses out there and just nothing is soothing or comforting but then I remembered uh, that it's someone uh, on our staff that their wife had miscarried and so I was able to connect and get like a three-way phone call on and interjected her into the call. And, and see, she had been where the other woman had been. And the two of them, they just uh, there was just all these tears. And there was a lot of, I know this is horrible and I know this hurts and, and more tears and crying. And here's what's so fascinating, that, that after that call, man, nothing had changed, but everything was different. See, there's something about sharing your pain and sorrow who has been there and done that with you. It became like, it became like this, this healing uh, salve. And, and in the same way that you and I, we should, we're to bring our pain and sorrow. We're to bring it to Jesus, the one who's wept. And when we bring our pain and sorrow to him, that, that he's able to pour out the spirit, the comforter, and to soothe, uh, man, our, our hurting heart. Man, hope in God. 
And here's so, something else that, man, our, our, our healer is a, a feeler, but, but here's the next part of this, man, that our feeler, he's also a fighter. Man, our feeler is a fighter. And um, um, in our text, when, when we read in, in verse 33, it says that, that Jesus, he was deeply moved. He was deeply moved. And I just want to tell you, that's a terrible uh, interpretation of, of that word. Like, like the word for deeply moved, um, it, it's, it's a weak interpretation. Do you know the word, it literally means to snort with anger, it's like, like there's there's this fury. If 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 I can just um, be be so bold to say, it, it, Jesus is pissed in this moment. All right, please don't send me an email. I I, I said that uh, like it needed to be said. And so now get this: Jesus weeps for his people, but he's furious at sin and death that would destroy his creation. And so Jesus is feeling this mix of sorrow, but also fury uh, because of all that sin and death has done to his beautiful creation. And so... um, I made this no secret. Like, like Braveheart is one of my all-time favorite movies. Man, if you have not seen Braveheart, shame on you. All right, and and so if if you recall in, in the movie Braveheart, like 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 William Wallace is furious with the English because of all the 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 theft, the murder, the rape that it's it's instilled uh, on his his home homeland of Scotland. And, and you can remember this is after the infamous Sons of Scotland speech. And then, and then what it happens that that William Wallace uh, he rides out to the middle of the battlefield. And you remember, man, that the, the 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 nobles had already shown up and they were looking to cut a deal as they met the English on the middle of the battlefield. And, and what does William Wallace say? He says, uh, "I'm going to pick a fight." And so he goes out to the middle, and as these nobles are trying to sell out their people, William Wallace is not looking to cut a deal. He wants to get rid of the English. And then, do you remember what happens is, as he, Wallace rides around, finally he, he tells the English, he says, I have an offer for you. He says it just like that. He says, uh, these are Scotland's terms. He says, lower your flags and march back to England. He says, in each house you need to stop and to beg forgiveness for hundreds of years of theft and murder and rape. He says, uh, and, and you need to beg for forgiveness. And he says, if you do that, he says, you'll live. He says, if you do it not, you'll die. <laughs> and so, and it's just so true. And I want to tell you that we find that same scene, that William Wallace scene of a man taking the middle of the battlefield to stand on behalf of his people in 1 Samuel chapter 17. I know it'll be familiar to you, man, that, um, that, that the, the, you see that the Philistines and the armies of Israel, there were two camps on, on two different mountains, and the, in the middle was, was a valley. It was the battlefield where the warriors would meet. And what would happen is the Philistine would put out their champion, and Israel was to put out their champion. It was to be represented warfare. And here's what we read in 1 Samuel 17, verse 23. It says this, As he talked with him, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And get this, and David heard him. So again, this was representative warfare. That word champion, it means the man who meets in the middle. 
right? And so the Philistines put forward their champion, a nine foot nine warrior by the name of Goliath. Israel was to put forward their champion, their tall guy. It was Saul who was head and shoulders taller than anyone else in Israel, but he refused. He was a coward and wouldn't stand on behalf of God's people. But David heard, David heard. And this little shepherd boy, what he would do is he would he would take and he would be the man in the middle on behalf of God's people. And do you remember what he says? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? It sounds a lot to me like this David, this little shepherd boy, he had put his hope in God. And so what did he do? He stood in the middle on behalf of God's people and with a sling and a stone and hope in God, what did he do? Man, he killed uh, the giant Goliath. He defeated uh, our enemy. And, and now if I can roll us back into our text in John chapter 11, verse 38, let me read for you John 11:38. It says this, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And so here's the moment where Jesus, our man in the middle, what is he doing? He faces um, the, the, the enemy's warrior, the enemy's champion, and that champion is death. And as Jesus looks at a, 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 a tomb that has been sealed, you can almost hear death declare, I am the champion, death. But how does Jesus respond? Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. The battle had begun. The two champions met in the middle. Who would win? John chapter 11, verses 39 to 44. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they might believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. See, um, Jesus, he, he met death in the middle, and Jesus beat death at Bethany with the resurrection of Lazarus, uh, and he's going to beat death ultimately at Calvary on Calvary's cross. And because of the cross uh, and the resurrection, what happened? Man, the warrior death had died, and now resurrection power lives. And now for you and for me, that that hope, uh, we have a hope for the future and from the future in Jesus, the resurrection and the life. Let's pray. Father, I just uh, thank you for this time that we could uh, be together today, Lord. And God, I want to pray for those this morning that don't know you as their champion and as their Lord. Listen, if there's any of you out there today and you would like to receive Jesus Christ as the champion uh, of your soul, just, just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, come into my heart. I repent of my sins. Be my Lord, my Savior, and my champion. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen, man. Man, if you prayed that prayer today, here's what I want you to know, man. You have this eternal hope now. Hope for the future and hope from the future in Jesus Christ. And so God bless you. And listen, um, uh, and for those of you that, man, you can feel the slow leak of your hope this morning. I just want to encourage you, man, against hope, believe in hope. Have this confident expectation. I promise you the next chapter is going to be the best chapter. And so we, we thank you for it all, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, listen, every nation, uh, the, the sermon's over, but we're not quite finished. And I want to remind you, as always, that you can be faithful in your tithing and your giving. Um, a tithe simply means a tenth. And, and what we believe is that that we give a tenth uh, back to God and the tithe uh, and the offering as a, as a sign of worship and obedience to God. And so there's three ways you can give. You can go to our website, encnj.org, and just hit the giving icon. Uh, or you can give via text. It's the way my family and I give. If you text the letters ENCNJ to the number 77977, it's a very convenient way to give. Uh, or you can mail in your check or money order right here to our church offices at 101 Gibraltar Drive, right here in Morris Plains, New Jersey. And may God richly bless you uh, as you're faithful uh, in your giving. Every nation, Jesus loves you, and I think you're pretty amazing too. Have a fantastic week. Thanks for listening to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. For more information on our church, or if you'd like to give a financial gift, just go to our website, emcnj.org.